Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291 There you go. <laughs> and you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's absolutely correct, and we sure wish you would. We love hearing from folks all around the country and yeah. the world. and Get a different perspective of what's going on around the world, actually. Well, that's right. And kind of funny how the temperatures in different areas affect cars in different ways. Right. Certainly different times of the year. Of course, couldn't be much prettier than what it is right here, right now. I know it. Wow. Well, I got up this morning early, sitting down on the patio with Foxy, and I mean, what's it, about 60 degrees, 50 degrees, a little breeze blowing. Oh, yeah. Birds it was nice. chirping. <laughs> it was nice. I said, boy, this is not like... Uh, yeah, wait till the sun comes out. Yeah, it's not like South Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we know what's fixing to come. Oh, yeah. First of June, it's fixing to get hot. You got it. So. Hey, let's get a couple of these phone calls. We got Tom from Canada. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Doing great, sir. Good. Uh, excellent show. Um, I have two questions, one about serpentine belt and sure. one about transmissions. The serpentine belt seems fine, except it appears on the, the side of the pulleys that are closest to the engine. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of oil maybe weeping off the bearing or whatever, mm-hmm. and it seems to be getting on the back side of the pulley closest ah. to the engine, and that transfers a little bit to the serpentine belt. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That's and going then, to be a problem. Okay. Once the petroleum hits that belt, it's what kind of car is it, Tom? It's a 2007 Toyota Corolla. Okay, a Corolla, that's going to be an EPDM belt, which is an excellent belt. However, it can't withstand but a certain amount of petroleum. It's a little more durable than the old neoprene belts used to be. But okay. in time, what is going to happen is that the petroleum is going to start to break down the rubber in the belt. And worse... If the petroleum starts to lubricate the belt, it's going to start to slip. Now, that's real bad from a number of perspectives. Uh, what happens when it starts to slip is start generating heat. So you could end up burning up something like an AC compressor or an idler pulley or something like that. So my advice, Tom, would be to go ahead and have that leak repaired. It's probably not a big deal to fix. Most of those leaks in that area are going to be maybe the front timing cover seal, which is not a real big deal in that car. I would okay. probably go ahead and replace that, whatever's leaking, and then go ahead and replace the belt. And, and clean make sure the, you clean everything right. real well, get the oil off of it. Right. Okay. Oh, got it. Okay, I'll, I'll look into that. Mm-hmm. And my second question is, I changed the transmission fluid okay. uh, once about a couple of years ago, and then three or four months later, I did it again just to put in extra fresh fluid. Sure. But it never said to go ahead and do the filter. So I just mm-hmm. drained it and filled it twice. Mm-hmm. Is changing the filter sort of mandatory? Or it's not mandatory. Not? It's kind of a good idea, depending on how many miles you've got on it, Tom. How many miles are on the vehicle now? Oh, in Canada, we measure in, in kilometers. kilometers. <laughs> 140,000 kilometers. Okay, so around 90,000 miles somewhere. It would be a good idea to go ahead and replace the filter. They will eventually become restricted. And you can't really tell looking at the outside of a transmission filter because the way it works, the fluid flows into the inside of the filter first and flows out through the outside to the transmission. So all of the debris will be inside of the filter. And it's not a big deal to do. Now, if you've changed it twice, the fluid, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape simply because you've kind of prevent it a lot by draining the dirt and the debris out of the fluid. So you've done real well, but I think I would go ahead on next service and change that filter. Not a real big deal. Probably a $25, $30 part. Very easy to change. Just right there on the bottom of the valve body when you take the pan off. 
Got it. Now, I heard you mention something about the, like an O-ring or seal where it goes into and it has to be changed too. Either uses a rubber O-ring or a cork gasket, depending on the transmission type. Okay. It usually okay. comes, the gaskets usually come with the filter, mm-hmm. especially if you buy them from Toyota. I know we do, mm-hmm. and they come with the filters. One thing you want to be careful of, some of those transmissions, the transmission actually sits over the edge of the subframe. You have to unbolt the transmission mount and lift the engine and transmission up to get access to a couple of those bolts it's not that big a deal to do okay okay right. uh, that, that's pretty simple and pretty handy right okay. just we like to pull them transmission filters back up with a quarter inch ratchet and a i think it's a 10 millimeter socket so you don't over tighten them because you could damage the inside of that transmission if you over tighten those bolts yeah, just throw a little light on tightening a little light on tightening mm-hmm. okay that's perfect all right. Thank you very much. Hi, right, Tom. Uh, what, all right, what part of Canada are you from, Tom? I'm from Toronto. All right. Wow. Good deal. Well, I appreciate you calling. And the weather's great up here now. Summer in Canada is beautiful. Oh, I, I know bet it, it is. is. <laughs> I know it is. Canada's a very beautiful country. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay. Tom. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. And we've got Clark online. Good morning, Clark. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. sir. Yeah, I've got a 2004 Camry that's uh, approaching 100,000 miles. Okay. And I've been looking in the manual to see what kind of service is required for it at mm-hmm. that time. Yes, sir. And as I was going through it, I noticed I never saw anything in there about changing the transmission fluid the whole time. And I've never changed it in there. Mm-hmm. The cars always run very well. And I see in there, it looks like probably the transmission needs to be, fluid needs to be changed and the coolant maybe. Well, coolant's way, way, way plugs. past due if it hadn't been done. Right. Because yeah. that was due at five years, and you're going every on 10 years old. Yeah. I'd Actually, it's five years the first time and every three, three years after. Correct. Is that right? Yes, yes sir. sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, what about the coolant? That is that the coolant, is, yes, right. sir. Five years the first time and every three thereafter. Oh, well, and the coolant. What about yes. the transmission? I think, I think Toyota recommends somewhere around 100000 I like to do it closer to fifty, just because yeah. it's a very expensive transmission. It's easy to service, so mm-hmm. I like to do it a little bit sooner. But, I mean, if it hadn't been done, no big deal. Just go ahead and do it. not going to hurt anything to service it now. Yeah, should if besides replacing the cook back to the coolant, should I flush it out, too? It, since I, I don't ever I, put any kind of chemicals into a cooling system. You're just asking no. for troubles. All you want to do is drain and fill, and you want to dry to drain the engine block if I possible. Be, I believe on the back side of the block, there's a little spigot that sticks out the back of the block mm-hmm. with a 10-millimeter head on it. Mm-hmm. You put your little hose on it, open the, take the 10-millimeter headed bolt loose, and it drains mm-hmm. the coolant from the block also. Mm-hmm. But drain the okay. block and the radiator will get... About 80% of what's in there out. Right, and then you want to take and pre-mix that coolant with distilled water and then add it after it's been mixed. Don't pour the coolant in, pour the water in, because it's not going to mix an engine. Now, Toyota had two different coolants that year, I think. They had a super long life. Uh, In 04, it should probably be the red coolant. Which is going to be the long life. Right. The long Mm -hmm. life you have to mix. The super long life already comes mixed. Right, that'll be in 05 or up, I believe. It says on the bottle if it's mixed or not. Okay. And use the Toyota fluid. Yeah, Toyota brand coolant. Right. Don't use any of that universal stuff or don't use the green stuff because it's different. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. What about, I noticed it said don't change the spark plugs until 120,000. Some of them are, some of them are 30,000, some are 100,000, some are 120,000. Just depends on what kind of plug they used in the engine. Those hold up pretty well. And I tell you, Clark, don't change the plug wires because the wires that came on it are better than any wire you can buy. I've seen those last life of the car. Right. Uh, if, if it's got wires, most of them now have coil packs, but the ones with the wires, they hardly ever go bad. 
And was it again, a, I buy my plugs from Toyota. They're pretty reasonable on them, and it's a very good spark plug. Is that a four-cylinder? Yeah. It's a four-cylinder. Right. right. They're, they're all right there on top, really very, easy to very get easy to. to change. Yeah. When you take spark plug coil and boot out of the hole, take compressed air and blow the trash out of it. Yeah, before you try to take the plug before out. Before you take the plug out, because if you don't, when you take the plug out, all that trash is going to dump right into the cylinder head mm-hmm. because gotcha. those plugs stand straight up. It's got like that up. long tube. Right. Any debris that's on top of that car, when you take it out, it drops down in that tube, and if you take the plug out, it drops into the cylinder. And I've actually seen people wipe an engine out like yeah. that. Hmm. Yeah, and it's a good idea. I never mm-hmm. thought about that. Yeah, just take compressed air and just when you, once you get the call off, blow down air real good. Make sure there's no moisture or anything. Now, if you see oil down in that hole, you probably got a valve cover gasket leaking, and it's a good idea to address that because that oil will end up eating the call packs up. But if it's good and dry yeah. down in there, you're in pretty good shape. Okay, okay. What about kind of talk to the dealer about mm-hmm. it? And they were recommending because the mileage I got on it. Mm-hmm. Of cleaning the fuel injectors and decarbonate. No, nah, that's something they sell, right. Clark. I, you know, if you use a decent grade of gasoline, you're not going to ever have to do that on that car. Injectors are self-cleaning, and most—I'm not going to say most—but a lot of shops try to sell that because of money-making service for them. They kind of use a loss leader on some things to get you in the door, and then they make it up on that. That's really what yeah. I consider snake oil. I don't ever ever advise doing that. Yeah. I mean, what I, I would. I would. I'd probably change the serpentine belt on it just because it's ten years old. And oh, I've already done that. Yeah, I'm very good. Then I saw that cracking about a year. So yeah, ago, yeah, so good idea. That. Go ahead and replace that. And I can't think of too too much else. The fuel filter on that one may be in the tank. You'd have to it check is. and see. But yeah. Toyota generally sells that fuel filter separately, and it's not that difficult. You take the back seat out, and there's an excess panel you can take out to get it. It takes you about an hour, but you can actually replace fuel filter on a lot of them. Last yeah, thing, so, I'd probably recommend a PCV valve on it, okay. just because that's cheap and easy to change. And if it plugs up, going to end up with a bunch of oil leaks. If I brought it in for the transmission mm-hmm. in there, do y'all, if since it's got a hundred thousand miles, would y'all mm-hmm. check the filter too? I change the filter. Yeah, so it'd be yeah. good just to take the pan off. And oh yeah, we oh, yeah. drop the pan, change the filter every single unit, and that gives you the advantage of being able to take the old filter and cut it open. And mm-hmm. once you do that, you can see exactly the condition of the transmission because any debris right. inside of that filter will give you warning that hey we got problems coming up here or hey this is really healthy or whatever it's just it's great great insight and it allows you to go in and torque the valve body bolts and all that complete service is just a fluid and filter it's not draining just the fluid on that one some vehicles don't have a pan where you can readily get to the filter so you have to do a drain and fill but on that one you can get to all that so i would definitely recommend a full service okay i guess the last question i got it i was looking at one of those antifreeze kit things where you could Mm -hmm. Back flush your coolant out? Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't, is that a good idea? No, no. no. I don't ever no. put any kind of chemical and don't want to put city water no. into a cooling system. It's very hard to keep a cooling system in perfect chemical balance. It is in perfect uh-huh. chemical balance when it comes from a factory. The chemicals deplete over time. So the mm-hmm. best thing is change it more often so that it doesn't get off balance. But once gotcha. it gets off balance, like you go in and run a bunch of city water, well, now you've introduced chlorine, you've introduced fluoride, you've introduced and, all kind of silicates. Right. You, you can't get 100% of it Never back out. Never get it out. So all that starts going around, and you end up with all kinds of problems. As long as you drain and fill on a fairly regular basis, you're going to be really right. good. If you hadn't and done you, that— and you- I use, take it from what you're saying there, then use distilled water. Distilled for, yes. water and Toyota coolant. Mix it before it. you put it in. And, Clark, if you've gone a long time without doing it, what you want to do is go ahead and change it. Maybe run around six months, come back and change it again. Okay. That's your safest okay. way to do it. All righty. All righty. Okay. 
Appreciate it. All right, all right, thanks, thanks man. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to phone lines with Peter. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey. I, lo- I love listening to you guys because you always like to listen to somebody that knows what they're talking about. <laughs> if you didn't even know anything about cars, you were. I think I could call in. I told my son, I listen to these people on Saturday morning. If I had an 1898 Road Hog, Whatever <laughs> I can call it, you guys would know what to do with it. I appreciate that, well, but I may you. have a I may have a stumper for you, okay, or good. may not. I got a a 2010 Ford Escape. Mm-hmm. Never had a drop of problems with it. Never one time. I've changed all the stuff and mm-hmm. everything else. It's great uh, so far. So good. Mm-hmm. Eighty thousand miles. The weekend of Easter, I'm driving to Houston to have uh, Easter with my son. Mm-hmm. I'm over there about 20 miles from Lake Charles on the I-10, pouring down rain in the left-hand lane, nothing but 18-wheelers to the right of me. And all of a sudden, I realize my car is dead. Now, that's a religious experience. Mm-hmm. I'll guarantee you. And it's just coasting. I'm thinking, what on earth? There's no shoulder. And so I had to maneuver a dead car in and around those other lanes and get off the side of the road. I called my son. I said, I don't know what's wrong, but I may not even get there by Easter. And I sat there and in the rain, looked under the hood, couldn't see anything. And I, I didn't know what was going on. And about 25 minutes later, I tried to start it. And wham, started right up. Okay. Stopped at the Ford dealership in Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. I said, have you ever heard of this? He says, never. I said, what could it be? I said, it sounds like maybe a cutoff of fuel. He said, well, your filter may be clogged. And does it have a fuel filter? He said, yeah, but it's in the pump. Yeah. I'll tell you what. He said, you just need to put injector cleaner. And I said, well, I listened to the guy on Saturday, and they say that's a bunch of junk. And he said, well, that's all I know. No, so that's anyway, not be it. I went, went on to Houston, had mm-hmm. a wonderful time. I did read my manual, and it said in my manual that in the case of a hard jolt or a wreck, mm-hmm. the fuel pump automatically cuts off. That's correct. Call it an inertia that's switch. Keep, I'm sure that's to keep gas from going into a hot Correct, the, correct. But that won't reset. You'd have to reset that manually. Yep, you got the little button there. So right. I, that's a month ago. So last week I'm driving up on I-20 mm-hmm. to Monroe to mm-hmm. my grandson's graduation. Perfectly yes, beautiful day. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden my car is dead. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And I coast to the right-hand side. I said, well, I've been there and done that. And I went over there and I sat for about 30 minutes, reached over there, pushed the reset button, fired it up, and so far so good. Well, I know how to get it started. So my question is, what on earth is going on? I mean, this is 80,000 miles, yeah. never a hiccup. Yeah, Peter, that could be a whole number of things right. cause that. You say you feels like fuel, but again, what does fuel feel like? It could be anything. If it is actually a fuel-related problem, you should be able to go in, and there are going to be some codes stored in the memory May not be anything I'll turn a check engine light on, but there should be some manufacturer's code stored where the engine started leaning out. And it's like PO174, PO171, those kinds of codes. Because when it starts to run out of fuel, it's going to start leaning the engine out, and it's going to pick that up, and it's going to register. So if you got any of that, then you know that you're probably into a fuel system type thing. Could be the fuel pump is going bad, it's getting hot, it's kicking out. After it cools off, it resets. That's one possibility. Could also very easily be a ignition problem it could be something like a crank sensor it could be a cam sensor any of those things can get hot lose their signal and then go out so you're just going to need to get someone to scan the memory and see if there are any codes stored first off if they are that's going to make it a lot easier if they aren't then it's going to be very difficult if it's uh, if it is say an ignition issue would that throw a code it could just depending on what it is okay and see not all codes set a check engine light right emissions codes set a check engine light but uh, you can have okay. codes that will not set a light but you can still retrieve them with a forward scan tool 
So I would go in, scan the memory first off, and the best thing to do is as soon as possible after it occurs to get this done. Because as time passes, the data can actually reset. And also the fuel trim is going to reset because it's going to have more samples and it's always averaging. So barring that, if there are no codes stored, you're going to probably need to wait till it gets a little more consistent to find it. There's just so many things that can cause that. Even the computer itself, you know, the ECM could be going out and getting an open circuit, and that can cause that. Basically, almost anything that the car needs to run, which is almost everything, can do that. And electrical parts are just notorious for getting hot and kicking out like that. Have y'all seen this before then? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, all the time. Good God. Well, you ain't lived till you've been on the left lane (laughs) in the four-nine rain with nothing but 18-wheelers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, happens all the time, man. You you, you learn how to say in the name of the Father. That's it. That's That's it. it. I guarantee you. All right, Thank man. you, guys. I'll Thank you. Appreciate it. Mm, all right. All right. We're going to take one quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Wayne, Tim, hold on. You'll be straight after the break. Travel my way. Take the highway. Hey, Agco Automotive is here to tell you some things are too good to be true, like free beer tomorrow or lose weight on the ice cream and cheeseburger diet. Another thing too good to be true, the low-price oil change. Automotive businesses will sucker you in with an under $30 oil change and then give you a huge list of recommended maintenance and repairs like flushes, brake work, rack and pinion leaks, oil leaks, and more. Well, Agco says be smart. When you get the list, bring your vehicle to Agco and we'll provide you an honest evaluation of any problems you may be having. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Oh, and those beautiful models just waiting to talk to you late at night? Yeah, too good to be true. Hey, welcome back. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Between Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We're going back to our phone lines with Tim. Good morning, Tim. Oh, hey, good morning, guys. I'm calling from Minnesota. I'm wearing my Edco T-shirt All here. right. Hey. All right. <laughs> good deal. I've got kind of a philosophical question okay. for you, and that is I don't work at a dealership. I've just picked up things over the years, and mm-hmm. I, I'm confused as to why dealers have the pricing structure that they do, like paying tax one amount of money if a job is under warranty and another if it's not. Mm-hmm. And it seems like your way just makes completely, I mean, it makes sense. And you seem to have done all right for yourself Mm -hmm. money-wise, so why do they do that? Well, Tim, that's a great question, and I'm kind of with you. I don't understand why everybody doesn't do it my way, but, you know, everybody feels that way. I can tell you the reason that dealerships have the pricing structure to have is because a lot of it's mandated on them by the manufacturer. The manufacturer is operating in what they see as their own best interest. For instance, they say the guy who buys this franchise from us, he can make a killing selling cars. He can charge customers whatever he wants for service. He can tear the head off on parts. We don't care. But when it comes to warranty work, we're only paying him half the going rate or whatever or number less. it is or less. So it's kind of a way to subsidize their warranty process on the backs of their customers and the techs doing the work. And so that's how it evolved over the years. Why and it goes on, I don't know. But what happens basically is that – because they are paying these guys considerably less than the going rate to do warranty work, they're all sort of disgruntled. They don't like to do it. And so when a customer comes in, they have to make the money up somewhere. It's kind of like I wrote an article one time called the $50 aspirin. 
And you remember in hospitals at one time, they found out that they were charging about 50 bucks for an aspirin. Well, that was because they had to allow a lot of people into the emergency room. They couldn't turn anybody down. They didn't have money to pay, so somebody had to pay for it, so you were paying 50 bucks for an aspirin. And dealership service often is like a $50 aspirin. You're subsidizing the warranty process and the things that they do lose money on. Yeah. So it drove me out of the dealerships. Brian, I think it did oh, you yeah, as well. Definitely. I just didn't like the whole idea of having to rush through jobs, not being able to take my time to do the job right or as I felt was right. I didn't like that entire – I didn't like the backbiting that went on among the, the techs because everybody's thinking, well, when this guy gets this job, he's taking money out of my pocket, so I'm not going to help him. And if I learn a shortcut, I'm not going to tell him. And I just didn't like that. I like a cooperative-type atmosphere, which you get with a salary shop. And it's worked out, like you said, extremely well for us, but not everybody listens. People are hard to change. They just keep doing the things they've been doing. Yep. All right. Well, hey, guys, have a great weekend. Love your show again, and we'll talk to you later. All right, Tim, thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to phone lines with Wayne. Good morning, Wayne. Hey, good morning, Louis. I actually just had, I'm surprised it got through. I actually picked my truck up from you yesterday, the Mm -hmm. little Nissan Frontier with the transmission change. Okay, good. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I tell you what, I didn't realize how bad I'd let it go. (laughs) It's driving like a dream. I'm I'm glad I found a good place that I I feel good about, and I I appreciate you for that. Well, thank you. Great. Yeah, that turned out to be quite a big deal, man. Yes, that little problem that Nissan's had with those radiators busting and flooding out the transmission, so I'm glad it got fixed up for you. Yeah, but I do have one question I wanted to ask. Okay, Wayne, could you hold on through the break? Sure. Okay, hang on. I'm going to put you on hold, and we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Good morning, and welcome back to Automotive Maintenance School, fellas. Good morning. Yesterday, we left off talking about how to upsell your customers with the sneaky $24.99 oil change. Yeah, they come in for the special, and bam, we hit them with other problems we just happened to find while doing the oil change. (laughs) Yeah, and then you tell them, it's a good thing you came in for our oil change special. Yeah, you may never have known you needed all this work. Yeah, sound like you fellas did your homework. I just hope none of your customers did. (laughs) Agco Automotive has this to say about low-price oil changes. Take advantage of them. And if you get a list of recommended repairs, bring your vehicle to us for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco. It's the place to go. When you're hey, welcome back. Party. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alpazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And just before the break, we were talking with Wayne. I'm sorry, Wayne, to interrupt you. Go ahead and put your question. Okay, the question is, it has something to do entirely different than what you were looking at the truck for, which okay. was the transmission. Sure. But I've been checking into it because I learned a lesson with that transmission. Don't let things go on for you a bet. long time. Right. But there's a subtle whining in the engine, and I was hoping maybe it was the transmission, but mm-hmm. I'm afraid it's not. It's been there for three or four years. Okay. But I was reading about it last night, and it appears that this model of Nissan, 2006 Nissan Frontier, mm-hmm. has had a history of timing chain guide issues We've wearing seen down. some, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And, and I hear that, and I, from what all the doomsday sayers on the Internet, Mm-hmm. Say that it could cause your engine to fail and replace and all that. What's your thoughts on that? Is that something that is generally, overblown? Or- yeah, generally what the timing chain issue is going to be, Wayne, it's not going to be a whine. It's going to be more of a rattle, and it's going to be a rattle on startup. 
sort of a when you first start the engine, then it'll go away. Wine is more likely to be one of the belt-driven accessories on the outside of the engine, and one thing you can do to kind of isolate and make sure it is an engine problem is with the vehicle sitting still, say in park, go ahead and kind of race the engine up and see if the noise goes up and down with the speed of the engine. And it does. if it does, okay, well, then it's engine-related. What you could do next is just temporarily remove the serpentine belt from the engine and crank yeah. it up and run it and see if the noise is gone. And if the noise is gone, you know it's one of the belt-driven accessories. And there are several of them on there. You have a power steering pump. You have an alternator. There's some idler pulleys. There's water pump. There's a lot of different things. that can. Any one of them have little bearings in them, and they can whine. A lot of times on those, the idler pulleys will make that whining noise. And that's a relatively easy fix. Do yourself a favor. Before you take that belt off, mm -hmm. draw you a diagram right. of the routing of that belt. Because you can All look right. at it. Take the belt off, and when you go to put it back on, you can get totally confused by yeah, it. Yeah, it's, number, I mean, it's a number of ways it'll go, but only right. one that'll work. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, just draw a little picture of the way it comes off, and that way you can put it back on. And if it hadn't been changed recently, what you may want to do is go to the Nissan dealer, buy a new belt, and that way you'll have a belt ready. Because if you're going to go to all the trouble taking it off, you might as well change it while you're there. All right. Well, I sure do appreciate that. All right. Okay, you, Wayne. Man. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Okay, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines with Barry. Good morning, Barry. Hey, uh, good morning. I've got a newly rebuilt 60 diesel in okay. my F-350. Yes, sir. Fully bulletproofed and everything. And I'm going to keep it for a long time now. And I'm wondering, right now, I just have Shell Rotella in it. Okay. But after I've run it, and I don't know how many miles, after you know, been rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Should I go back with the full turbo diesel synthetic oil? Is it worth the extra money? I've heard both ways on that, Barry. I like Rotella. Now you got to watch. There's at least three, maybe four different Rotellas, and you want to make sure you're getting the, the best one. There are different grades of Rotella T, and you want one at least that meets CJ4. And there. Probably, if you go to Rotella's website, it'll tell you what all of them are. But what you got to be careful, if you, you change all yourself, you can be sure you buy the right stuff. But if you right. just go to an oil change place and they say, yeah, we're putting Rotella in, man, they could be putting a cheap Rotella. See, because there's they're all named Shell Rotella, or Rotella T, actually. But I don't remember the exact name, but I know we purchase it in 55-gallon drums, and I always make sure we get the best grade of it. But you got to be a little bit careful, but... That being said, if you're getting the good grade of Rotella T, that's going to pretty much do everything that diesel needs. Some people like the, the synthetic oil. Some don't. I've heard both ways. I have never seen anyone have a lubrication-related problem on any of them using Rotella T. I mean, they have a lot of problems, as you well know, with the injectors and the head gas and everything else. But even the 6-liter never had very many lubrication-related problems. Okay. All right. So I guess just – and what, what do you think a good – all chain general is now this, and I do tow heavy trailers sometimes. Barry, it depends on your average trip is. In other words, if you get in a truck, and let's say you're putting around town, and you go five miles, you turn it off, you drive another three or four or five miles, you turn it off, then that's extreme service. Under those conditions, you need to change every 3,000 miles. Now, let's say you're going to Colorado, and you go 4,000 miles in two days. Well, man, that doesn't hurt it at all. It's still like brand new. So if your average trip is long, and when I say long, 25, 30 miles every time you crank the truck up. You go for four, four 5,000 miles easily. But okay. if your average trip is short, then you need to change way more often. And see, that may vary through the year because you may put around, go to the grocery store, do the da 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 and then you may take your trailer and go across. So the actual change interval may change based on your use. See, if you're mostly putting around town 
some months out of the year. We'll go ahead and change more often. When you're on vacation, then you can extend that out because those highway miles, you know, driving from here to Colorado and back, you're going to put, what, 4,000 miles on it? That all is going to be like brand new. Okay. All righty. Gotcha. And I think, what is your opinion on this motor now that I've got it with the head studs and it's fully bulletproof, new turbo? If I can change it all, it should last a long time, right? Probably so. I mean, it's not one of Ford's better moments, as you well know. They've had a multitude of trouble with them, but you get the right guy to fix it and do all the upgrade stuff to it. From what I understand, they're pretty decent. All right. Appreciate it. All right, Barry. Thanks for calling right, me. Thanks. Mm, bye-bye. Have a good weekend. Right. Thank you. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Got all our lines wide open. We're mm. ready to give you some information. There you go. And put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States this morning. Or and, beyond. Or beyond. That's right. <laughs> and should you happen to miss our little window here of about another 20 minutes, you can always get your questions answered on our website. Any time of the day or night. That's correct. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back within 24 hours. A lot of times sooner, depending on when you send it. That's right. I got an email this morning. I happened to be sitting at the computer doing some upgrades on the site, and email popped in. So probably within five minutes, he had an answer back. Yeah. Don't always expect that. but <laughs> no, Especially after about 8 o'clock. Well, after 8 o'clock, you won't get one for at least uh, till <laughs> at least five, till five. 5 o'clock <laughs> next morning, because I'll be snoozing at that point. There you go. While you're on there, peruse around, see what you think. There's some really good articles. If you look down in the lower left-hand column, that's where the detailed topics are. And it demonstrates about the first 15 most recent ones on that page, but you can also click on detailed topics, and it's got several ways you can access those. One's broken down by category, like if you want to know about oil and gasoline, well, it's a category for that. If you want to know about check engine lights, it's a category for that, so on. You can see all the articles based on category. Or you can do a search as a search function. Put an article on this morning that is on are women overcharged in the automotive industry, and that's one of those things that a lot of people believe is true uh-huh. that women get charged more than men and I've been in this industry for 45 years i've worked at shops i've owned a shop i have never ever ever seen any evidence that that is true but i know a lot of people believe it is so right. to them it is true but for the most part when a service writer is writing an estimate on a car he's looking at a work order which has got a phone number and it's got the vehicle description and it's got the technician's notes on it correct and he doesn't even know whose car this is right. or anything else he just, all he's looking at is a vehicle much less the gender of the person whose car it is so he's looking at the vehicle the complexity of the vehicle and that and he's writing his estimate based on that and i'm sure in a very small shop that's not the case where he's actually talking to the person but in larger shops one person generally checks the car in and then it goes out to the shop then the service rider gets it and so on is that so I don't think there's any evidence at all that ladies or anyone else gets charged any more than anyone else does. I know that their experience, women do a lot of shopping. Correct. But the majority of the things they shop for are commodities, which are all the same one place to another. So the way that they learn to shop is based on, let me check around, let me compare prices and so on and unfortunately in the automotive industry you're not buying a commodity there is no standardization right you're buying a service and what happens is they kind of don't understand all of that because they haven't been exposed to it as much so when they hear a word like tune-up they think that means something Uh but it actually means absolutely nothing the word tune-up means nothing right it has no meaning at all so if you hear the word tune-up at one shop you think it's the same as another and this guy wants 120 dollars this guy wants 300 dollars you have no idea what the differences are. So unless you can go in and kind of learn some of these things, 
then you're going to feel a whole lot more comfortable. Probably what's a better approach is to spend the time that you would normally spend shopping around and shop for a shop that is going to treat you right. Go in, check the reputation of the shop, the background of the shop, and so on and so forth. Is that Once you locate a good, honest shop to do business with, then you don't have to worry about anything else. Just go right. in and tell them what you what, got. and What your car is doing that you don't want it to do or what it's not doing that you right. want it to do. Give them the symptoms and right. let them tell you what the car needs. And what happens a lot of times, I notice this even with men, or probably more so with men, they want to kind of impress you that they know more than they know, so they'll kind of start – rattling off a bunch of jargon and all. I mean, there's no shop owner out there that's not going to spot that in right. 30 seconds. And it really doesn't help anything. If you don't know, just say, hey, I don't know, and please explain this to me. And if you don't understand his explanation, just let them know that. Say, hey, I still don't understand. Shops are generally, they don't mind explaining things at all, but they're not mind readers. So if they tell you something and you say, yeah, okay, or you nod your head, they, they're going to expect that you understand. Correct. And also, you need to let them know what your intentions are with the car, simply because we work on between 30 and 40 cars a day, and every one of those has a different intention for that car. Sure. One person wants to keep the car for 500,000 miles. The next person is going to trade it next week. So the recommendations are going to vary if I know that. I'm not going to tell a person who's going to trade next week that he needs to do maintenance, he needs to do this, he needs to do this, he needs to do this. But the guy who wants to keep this car 500,000 miles, I'm going to have a whole different set of recommendations. Sure. So you need to apprise the service rider or whoever is checking the car of what your intentions are for this vehicle because the recommendations will be based on that. And that way, once you learn that and you learn to know who is trailing you straight and so on, you're going to feel a whole lot more comfortable. But good article, you might want to go in and read it, kind of maybe ease your mind just a bit. There's also an article on that same vehicle topics that has an easy way to shop for a shop. That's right. How to find a great shop. There's several articles on that. And there's another one on how to communicate with a shop. I think it's something like shops from Mars and customers from Venus. Right. Because we're speaking a different language. It tells you how to kind of understand the language that they're speaking a little bit so that they can understand you a little better. And but the, the all time, of those things will really pay big, big dividends if you just do a little bit of homework on that. Right. And the time to look for a shop is not when you need one. Yeah. That's it's well, like well Jack, before you need one. Well, like Jack Kennedy said, time to fix roofs, not when it's raining. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go back to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Listen, I have a 2013 Tahoe, uh-huh. and every summer I get this problem. And it seems like when I started up, the air conditioner smells so much like vinegar. Do y'all know anything about that? I know there's a flash update, John, for odor concerns on that vehicle. And what it did, GM realized that they were getting some mildew in the evaporator case on those vehicles. And so they changed the software to where now when you turn the key off or turn the air conditioner off, it'll continue to run the fan for about 30 to 60 seconds to dry that core out where it doesn't set wet overnight and the bacteria bills, you may have to go in and clean the evaporator core. You can try is to go in, take something like a disinfectant spray, maybe Lysol or something, and at the base of the windshield, you know where those little grills are? That's the input for the air conditioner. Open all the doors on the vehicle, put the blower motor on high, and then take some of that and just spray it right in that area. And as soon as you get done spraying, reach in and just turn the car off and that way it'll kind of sit in that evaporator case and it may help if that doesn't do it then you may have to go deeper sometimes you have to take the blower motor out go in there and clean it with a professional strength cleaner but you may also look and see if you got the latest and greatest software because there's a flash update we can do that for you we just go back and reprogram the computer 
takes about an hour to do. And what it's going to do is change the way the blower motor operates so that it prevents that from happening. Okay. All right. All right. So there's no cap. There's no cabin air filter. Or anything. No, sir. No, not sir, on not that anymore. One. They quit doing that in 03. Okay. All righty. Sounds good. Thanks for the answer. Okay, John. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to the phone lines with Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, sir. I've got an 09 Camry. Uh-huh. And can you tell me where the fuel filter is on that thing? It's going to be in, in the, the tank. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yes, that sir. answers all the questions. Yes, sir. How many miles do you have, Mr. Bruce? Around 70,000. Okay. Well, you're still good. That filter will easily make 100,000 miles. Pretty big filter. And if you use a decent grade of gasoline, it'll make it a long, long time. Now, when you do get ready to change it, you don't have to drop the tank. Luckily, what Toyota did, they do sell the filter separately. And you take the back seat out, and there's a little small access panel there. It's about six or eight screws in it. You take those out, then you'll see the top of the tank. You just take the fuel pump out and then take the filter off, put it back on. It takes longer than the old one did, maybe an hour or so, but it's not where you got to drop the tank and everything. Well, that's a lot better than that GMC pickup. Oh, yeah. Well, that <laughs> one you can't buy the filter, and it's inside the tank. You have to drop the tank to get to it. You have to yep. buy a fuel pump to get it. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank sir. you, sir. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive hour, we've got Thomas online. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Lewis. How y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Doing great. I'm just, I guess I'm looking for a recommendation. Sure. I got a 04 Xterra. Headliner's coming out of it. It's getting, I got it held up with tax, and it's kind of yeah. doing okay. Mm-hmm. I talked to the, the Nissan place. Yeah. That guy looked at me with a straight face and said, that's twelve hundred dollars for the part. Yeah, no, right. you don't have to do that, Thomas. What what you do is so, just go to where a, do I go? <laughs> now, any upholstery shop can do that for you. What it is, you have to take the headliner out, which is gonna be like a big piece of fiber board. And what happens is that it's a piece of cloth and it's bonded to a piece of foam rubber to make it skishy and make it look pretty. Well, that foam rubber deteriorates, and when it does, it starts to separate. So the cloth separates from the backing, and there's nothing you can put in there to glue it back up. What they do is they take the headliner out, they strip all that off, scrub all that old stuff off, and glue a new piece of foam back material in there. I had the one done in my El Camino, and it didn't. It cost me about 200 bucks or so. Now, that one will be more than that because it's a much bigger headliner, but it's not an end-of-the-world thing. You just take, find a good upholstery shop. They can do that for you real easy. Okay. You got any recommendations, or should I just email you? Yeah, you could email me or just go in the phone book. I mean, most any of them are going to be pretty good, and just check around, see who's got a better price, talk to them, see who sounds like it's going to do a better job. But there's three or four of them in Baton Rouge, and any one of them can do a good job on that. Okay. Look, I appreciate it, guys. All right, man. All right, sir. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. We're going to take one more little quick break. Michael, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Mike. How are you and things at the dealership's maintenance department? Dave, things are great. You guys still running that low-priced $24.99 oil change at your place? Oh, yeah. Folks come in and we just happen to find a ton of other stuff wrong with their car. (laughs) Works, don't it? Sometimes when it's a woman, I make something up like, your flux capacitor has a leak. Yeah, or your strepanoid filter head needs to be replaced. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I gotta write that down. Agco Automotive wants to let you know how to stick it to the low-price oil chain shops. Go get the oil change, and then take your vehicle and their list of recommended repairs to Agco for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. And we'll fix only that. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tree Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we got Michael's been patiently holding. Good morning, Michael. Morning. How you doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning. Yeah, I got a simple question. I've been getting different answers. I, I got a 2008 GMC 1500 Sierra. Okay. And I was wanting to know if I could add a cruise control to it. Some people say yes, yeah, some people say no. It's got a little 4.8 V8 in it. Yes, sir. Uh, I can tell you, I've got a 2002 and I put cruise in mine. It wasn't that easy, but I was able to do it. Now, on a 2008, I just have to look at it and yeah. see. I'm not sure because I'm that's going to sure. be a drive-by-wire truck. There are no kits that I know. What I did, Michael, is I just went in and got the factory switch, hooked it up, and I went on eBay and bought the little modulator that went under the hood, put it on, and all the wiring and everything right. was already there, and the software was already there. It just came on. The dash was, The light was even already in the dash. So you just have to kind of see, you're going to have to do it with factory parts. You're not going to be able to do it any kind of aftermarket way because right. it operates through the throttle body and through the computer. But my guess is they didn't build two different trucks. All the stuff is probably there other than the switch and possibly, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if that one even uses a modulator. I don't know. Probably right. not being drive-by-wire. Yeah, you may be able to just get multifunction switch and make it work. You I just have may, to look at a wiring diagram for both of them and see what the differences are. may have to do some software work. Yeah, right. you to, may have to, to go rec- in and actually sort of recognize it. Yeah, go in and tell it that it's got cruise, whereas it doesn't. And not all of them will allow you to do that. Once it's programmed at the factory, some of them lock it out and they won't allow you to. It's one of those weird deals where yeah. it's all there, but they won't let you access it. You know, right. kind of like when you buy a computer and it's got certain features, or when you buy a trial version of software, it's the same version. It's just locked out internally. Could be that GM's done something like that. I just don't know. I haven't tried on that one. On uh, 02, it can be done, yes. Uh, 08, right. I just have to see it. Right. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. All right, Michael. All right. Thanks for calling, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. 291-6901 is the number. We may have a few more minutes if you can get it in mm, real quick. Maybe <laughs> just a couple. I mean, they're fixing to give us the boot. Yeah, old clock is tick, tick, ticking there real fast. Boy, I tell you, I see the producers looking at me kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really want to take another phone call right now? <laughs> see, I always want to take another phone call. Sure. Yeah, that's right. That just makes the hour go really, really quickly. There you go. We had some good calls today. Great and, calls today. Again, just in case you did. Did not get your question answered or something occurs so you have to go off the air that's right you can go to our website get your questions answered that way the address is agcoauto.com that is a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o the easy way to remember that is take the acronyms altazan's garage company that'll get you to our site and there's a contact bar on each and every page you just fill out the little form click the button and send it in and before you send it it will ask you would you like to save this information that's and right. you can actually save it to a cookie on your machine so next time you come back you just have to change a few little parameters in the form, and you can send it off again. Right. It'll fill out the name and address and email address and all that stuff for you, so you don't have to go back and keep entering that data every time you go on. Just right. Just pop, a pops different up automatically. Yeah, and you can even store more than one vehicle. If you've got multiple vehicles, you can store each and every one. That way, That's great. all you have to do is put in your mileage and your complaint. That's perfect. right back to us. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to iTunes and Stitcher and give us a written rating. That's right. And if you happen to listen on Podbean or any of the other great uh, rebroadcasters, right. give us a rating on that one as well. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.